You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is Chuvas Upaiskim, and I want to uh, dedicate this year to um, my Rebbe who passed away, and I, I'm not sure if it was yesterday. I know that we, I was just watching the Levaya, Rabbi Gedalia, again. Um, and um, I hope next week to be able to to give over some Torah from Rabbi Schwartz himself. But I believe that uh, some of the elements that we're going to speak about today are things that Rabbi Schwartz would definitely um, be sensitive to. Because what I'm going to talk about is the quality of a relationship. And I was unfortunate with Rabbi Schwartz. I mean, it was unfortunate that we had to be uh, sitting at Dine Torah where we saw many difficult situations between husbands and wives. And as strong as that bond can be, we saw it frayed very often. And uh, Rabbi Schwartz's wisdom about dealing with couples that aren't necessarily on the same page uh, was very instructive. Um, even the way he would say, um, if not Mazeltov, he would say, uh, you know, uh, encouraging words after a divorce and how things have to move on and how, how positive things could be. But he was also very, very aware of, of the pain and the difficulty um, that could happen and, and happen in a relationship. Um, he was a person that was able to manage his own uh, relationship in, in such an exemplary way. Um, you know, he had a wife that was quite ill, that he was so um, dedicated to her. And he was a person that uh, uh, really understood the dignity and respect afford, that husbands need to afford to wives and wives to husbands. Um, and uh, he was a great champion of that ideal and he lived it. So um, I modestly, really, dedicate the hopefully this should be a shir for Elias Nishmosai, and we'll get started. I think that um, it really, uh, as I wrote in the title, um, you know, there's a fusion that occurs between husband and wife, and it's an interesting fusion, because the post can want to know wouldn't it be beautiful if we could somehow step out of that? Especially when it comes to Ner Hanukkah. In other words, the, the question that was raised already um, um, you know, 380 years ago uh, by the Shara Ephraim, the, the Chacham Tzvi's grandfather, who was one of the great postkim of his time, is why aren't women lighting? Why aren't wives lighting in the homes with their husbands are lighting? We know that other adults in the house for lighting. Why is it that women aren't lighting? Now, how do we know women weren't lighting? Well, it sounds, again, that there, in fact, the Shara Fryim, uh suggests that if we read some of the uh, postgim with a very, the early Rishonim with a very subtle look, we'll find, oh, actually women should be lighting to do Mahadrim and a Mahadrim. Um, it's just that by the time 350 years ago, 
people had stopped. But really, if you look in the Rishonim, maybe women should be chayev in lighting. Um, earlier today, I was learning the Sugi Washila, and we were talking about the, we went through the, the Shar Frimes proofs. Again, I don't want to go into them in, in, in great detail here, but the, it definitely isn't open. Um, it definitely is not straightforward. You need to really do a little bit of mental gymnastics to be able to accept that. Um, there's also, some people want to say, even according to the Rambam, that everyone in the house should light, meaning women as well. So clearly that has not become the custom of Klal Yisrael, even among places where everybody lights. And the question is, why not? And I think this really gets into the um, uh, the, the essential nature of the responsibility to light Ner Hanukkah and how in some ways, men and women, when they light, um, husbands and wives light, it's even different. Let, let me try to explain it a little bit better. Uh, we know, and I'm going to start with the Gemara itself. Of course, the price says in, in, in Shabbos, the Hanukkah Gemaras, Ne'er Yishu Beisoy. Now we know the Mahadran is near everyone in the house, whether they're lighting or the Balabas is getting them to light. And then we have, of course, Mahadran and Ahadran, which is the amount of candles. Now, that is one piece of Gemara. The other piece of Gemara is a couple of uh, pekes. The Gemara says, "Isha vaday madlekes sha'afein hoyu ba'osohanes." We know that Isha definitely lights, um, and then the Gemara says that um, that Reb Zera, uh, the Gemara explains how uh, Reb Zera, when he got married, and even though he was studying Torah, that he didn't light because his wife was definitely lighting for him. Um, what we see from that Gemara is, is that there is this bond uh, that occurs. Now, here's the point. Here's really the, the basic point. Is there a chiyuv once you have a household? And again, it's a little bit tricky if you don't have a house. But let's assume a husband and wife, and again, it does get tricky if they're still living by their in-laws or by their parents. Assuming a husband and wife have a house, assuming they've moved into whatever little apartment that they have, the question now is, can, uh, are they fused to a point? Obviously, the, if there would be more children and more people coming to live in the house, we know that those people would have a right to light, and to light with a bracha, even though it's only mahadran. Is it possible to say that to give your wife the chance to light while you have already lit can't work because she already lit. Meaning that your children are part of the house. The responsibility is on the house in general. And, however, they have the right to opt out. You have the right to encourage them to light and that everyone in the house should be lighting. And that way, one could say what this means is that the women, that the rest of the adults in the house or the teenage kids in the house aren't connected to daddy's lighting. 
That's one way to look at it. The other way So, right, somebody who's living, Mikey is correct, if somebody's living in the house, even if they don't necessarily are a child, they're also part of that house. It doesn't have to be someone who's a blood relative. Family units are created in interesting ways. So I can give, the person has a right. You can't even stop them if they want to. If the child the teenager, whoever it is, wants the light, the husband, the owner of the house, whoever it is who pays the bills, they cannot stop those people from lighting. And even though the house already has its representative of lighting, the other lighting that occurs is called mahadrin. And you can make a broch on mahadrin. Now, do you mentally have to disconnect from the parents' lighting? I'm not sure. But what seems to be implied here is that a wife would not be able to do that because her husband already lit for her. That seems to be what's going on. So it really gets into the basic halacha of what does it mean the house needs to be, has to have a light for in the house. Is there a chiv on, let me put it better, is there a chiv on everyone in the house to light and yet it coalesces with one menorah, let's say, for one person, that one person does, but he's just, in a way, uh, the shuyach for everyone else. He's the shuyach. So if that's what it is, mahadrim and mahadrim just means I don't want your shlichus. You don't want my shlichus? No. I'm chayef to light because I live here. I'm doing it on my own. So I disconnect myself from you being the shliach, the, 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 the father, the person who runs the show. That's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is that there's not an individual chiyuv of, of, of Ner Hanukkah. Obviously, if there's no human beings in the house, nobody has to light. If the house is a McMansion that is sitting there empty, you know, no one has to go in there to make sure, oh, the house has to have someone lighting in it, that there has to be a, a flame emanating from that house. But when people have formed the house and there is a structure, whatever it is, rented or owned, the Chiv is on that unit that represents the house. The ha- it's, it's, it's not an individual Chiv on a person. It's a chiyav on the bias. It's a chiyav on the bias. Then, what happens when all the uh, the teenagers light? It's a chiyav on the bias. So what that means is we're allowing, in order to emphasize how great and taken we are by this miracle and by this event, we're letting the, the we're letting the manifestations occur, even in other places. But it's not that the child has to disconnect from from the what, what the father did. There's no chiyuv for the uh, for the adult children to sever their mind connection. To say, oh, I don't want you to be motzi me. I'm doing it on my own. You never really, even when I light for everyone. Let's say all there is is me, and I'm lighting. Right, like the, the like, like even if we'll say like the Sephardim, that only one person lights. 
He's not being motzi them as their shliach. His lighting is their lighting. It's not a shlichus where you did it for me. This is the house's lighting. Well, if this is the house's lighting, then how can you have other people light? We are deciding that the house's lighting is including everybody. This house is, is going to be indicated by the amount of members that we have in the house. But it's not that when, the, the, and that's why it sounds like from the Rambam and Rashi, that it's not that the children themselves light, or even the teenagers light. The man who runs the house ensures that, there, we are going to give out a display of everyone lighting to indicate what sort of house this is. Now, they do make a bracha, but it's not like a normal type of mitzvah. Now, if what I'm saying is true, this could be a reason. And I think that is what the Elio Rabbah says. The Elio Rabbah, uh, the Dayan in Prague, was dealing with this question that the Shah Ephraim brought up, which is, why aren't women lighting? Why aren't women in their homes? Isn't it a beautiful thing? If the teenagers are lighting, why can't the wife light? And why are, isn't the wife lighting? And he basically made a case for women to light. He wasn't a proto-feminist, but he was. He felt that was important. Why not? Maybe they should. And, and we're getting it wrong. So he says, Nirali de ishto kigufo ve'eno b'chlal mahadrin. Meaning that mahadrin can't work for her. Why can't it work? Why can't she be from the Mahadra? Because she is tethered to her husband. True, it is about the house, but she can't join her, her teenage daughters with that. The marriage bond stops that from happening because it already, right? It already happened. Her husband did it. That was her doing it. She can't light again. Are they able in some way to disconnect? Well, this seems to be a, a, a question. Um, there are, uh, if we take a look, now where did it? Where would anybody have wanted this disconnect to happen? Um, as I said, the Gemara says, Reb Zeira, when he went to study Torah and left his wife, his young wife, however old she was at home, he did not light where he was. He said, he didn't even, he, he basically said, yeah, they're doing it by my house. This statement of Reb Zeira has become um, neutralized, or at least chiseled away at, uh, as halacha has developed. Again, Reb is on record for saying, "If you're if you you're you're home, you can't be home for Hanukkah. If your wife lights, you don't light. You don't need to. And it would seem that if you would, it would be wrong. Now the question would be, why? We know that if I'm home, I can we can we can have a bunch of people light. The adults can light." Why is it that if I'm out of my house, I shouldn't light? If I'm in my house, everybody in the house can light. So it's true, my wife is lighting wherever she is. But 
can't I be lighting as well? But you're not home. So from from uh, the fact that Rebzeira didn't light sort of suggests that there's something going on here between husband and wife. That the husband can't just decide he wants to light and disconnect himself. That bond of Ishto Kegufo that Yerabba talks about is so strong, it goes the other way as well. It isn't an idea that women are subservient to men. It's that this marriage bond is, 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 not, is not as affected by, uh, well, it's actually near Hanukkah, despite the fact that we like it to be celebratory, it cannot go over and above the marriage bond. Yes, if they're away from each other, the, light, the wife lights. But when she, obviously the better place to light is the, is the domicile that represents the family. But why can't the husband say, should I be worse than my teenage kid back in my house was lighting? Let me light where I am. And yet the Gemara assumes that uh, Anachsanoi does not light. Even, uh, which, which again, testifies to this point. Now this was something that the, the Rishonim wanted to tear apart. The Rishonim wanted to tear this apart because there were many situations of husbands and wives who were not happening, they were apart during nights of Hanukkah. And it, it's clear that there was a movement that we should not follow Reb Zeyra. So let me show, let me just show you some of this from the actual sources themselves. So we'll start with the Maril. Now Maril was, in many ways, the forgotten person in Shulchan Aruch from, from or from the Beis Yosef in the Ramah's mind. The Ramah, Ramah Shisulis, was very impressed by what Rabbi Yosef Cairo did by writing the Beis Yosef. And in many ways, he bowed his head to him and says, I'm just going to put the tablecloth on the table. But in one area specifically, he felt that Cairo had been negligent. And that was not including enough of the Ashkenazi postgame, and specifically the Maril. He did quote the Trumas Hadeshen, who we were going to talk about a little bit later. But the Maril was earlier than Trumas Hadeshen. And as you can see, from 1360 to 1427. And he felt that that the Maril was not representative enough. So I want to read you a little bit about the Maril. Look what the Maril says. Ner Hanukkah, which we're of course going to do tonight, Mishatishka Hachama. So Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yaakov ben Moshe Malin, said that Ner Hanukkah should be done early. In fact, he says, as soon as you leave the shul, and of course they daven earlier, and it might have been even before Shkia. Now, because he says it's when Shkia happens, and I want to make sure that I get lit, I, I light it as quick as possible. Then he says, the Bnei Beisi Dorim Babayas Echod. Imani Ma'acher Shuvlo Yuetzli. 
if I speak to my students, if I take too much time, they're not going to be with me. The achshav, the fact that I light so early, my children come to me. This way they hear, they, they hear the bracha and they see the maril lighting. Now, what did the maril mean? This is an exact quote from the maril. A little parenthetic statement. What we're reading is a student of the maril who wrote the customs of the maril, and that became Minhoge maril. So what, the, and he took down the exact language that his Rebbe maybe translated into Hebrew, what his Rebbe had said, the Maril had said. So Maril says, I need to light early because the kids are coming over, my family's coming over, and if I do it too late, they won't be here to see what me make the bracha. So the background is that the Maril himself lived separate than his wife. He lived with the Bachrim. <laughs> and his wife lived in her own house. I guess you know, she might have been independently wealthy, but the wife lived in a separate house. It was actually nearby, Eitzel Bayas Ishto, and she was there with, with the kids, his kids. And even though she was wealthy, he did not live off what she uh, made. In fact, they didn't even eat together. Obviously, they got together to produce children. But in, in their in their married life, the great Maril had his wife in a, in a separate house. Now, how did the Maril make money if he didn't live off of his rich wife? The people who took care of the city of the of that area in Germany, in other words, they would give him uh, donations because he had to continue teaching. So the, 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 the Maril spent almost all day studying Torah, teaching the children of the community, sleeping in that house, seemingly. That's what it seems like. While, you know, unless, you know, it was time to visit his wife in a couple of blocks down or next door, wherever it was. And, So how did he make money? Can you imagine? He was a great shatchan. <laughs> Maybe he knew the right way to live. I don't know, right? He had he had the perfect married situation. He he could make shaduchim. Because what would he do? So basically, he would figure out boys and girls that should get married. He would write letters knowing about families. And what he said, people would say, oh, that's a good shidduch. The uh, Maril says that's a great shidduch. Everybody listened to him when he, right, like that old commercial with uh, E.F. Hutton, right? Everybody listens. Everybody listened to him. Maril talks, I think this is a good marriage. In fact, that's like, uh, like it's almost what Eov said about himself. People listen expectantly, waiting in silence for my counsel. So what's interesting, I just want to put this on the table, is the Maril lived separately in many ways from his wife. And yet, his family came over, and seemingly his wife as well, and they all were modlik together. Which really is fascinating when you think about it, right? 
Now, it could be there was no ill will. But Ishto Kagufo, it was still, in a way, they, I guess the rest of the family were sort of, oh, they lived in a different house. They would come to, to see him. Now, was that their kiyum of the mitzvah? Really, really interesting, this little description. Because on one way, you could say, what do, what do you have to wait for them? They don't even live with you. And But what I would say is, is that the key factor here was, to explain the maril, was that he got along with his wife. I mean, this was a, this was a relationship that, that worked for them. It was a relationship that they needed to do. And therefore, in a way, everything was still centered in the Maril's house. That's sort of the best way I can come up with. But again, I I, I found another, I found someone else who discovered this as well. But I found, because it's fascinating, because the Maril was one of the people who dealt with the issue of what is the connection between husband and wife. And he says, um, Let's say you, you're separate from your wife traveling. Could you light separately? And he says, why not? Why can't you be from the Mahadran? We see a Mahadran makes a bracha. Why can't the husband be a Mahadran? So the Maril says, he can. And even though his wife is lighting for him, and Rabzeira didn't light, because Rabzeira, yeah, because Rabzeira lived in a time when everybody lit outside. But now, why are people lighting? People lighting inside. So if, first of all, if you're on a business trip, you, nobody knows you, that you're married. Nobody really knows what's going on with you. And people will say, hmm, why isn't this guy lighting? And also, he says... The Mariel said, You don't want to be connected to your wife? Okay. So now you're a chayev. Rabzeira was different. Because Rabzeira, first of all, they knew that he, that he had been, uh, he had always uh, been at the house. He'd always, uh, before he got married, he would donate money to the cause. So nobody really had an issue with what Reb Zeru was doing. And he says, today, nobody, even when they're traveling, everybody likes separately. That is what the, the Maril uh, wrote. So the Maril was one of the champions, although he, in his own life, he lived somewhat separate, of the idea that a husband can separate himself from his wife. And this, uh, you can bring yourself to be chayev. The Maril's opinion was echoed by his younger contemporary, the Rabbi Yisrael Yisraman, the Truma Sadeshan. He also said that if you want to be Mahadir, it's possible you could you could actually decide to light separately, even though they, they lit for you in your house. The Marie Bruno, a student of the Truma Sadeshan, also writes. If you're if you disconnect with what your wife is doing, because you're being machavin not to be yotze, negative kavana always works. 
I don't want to be connected. So that is the opinion of the Maril. That's the opinion of the Trimus Adesha. That's the opinion of the Bruno. That you can disconnect and you can make your own brocha. And Lachora, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. A wife can do the same thing. And if a husband and wife can do that, if they're separate from each other, why can't they do it in the same house? So if the Maril is right, although he himself, they didn't do it that way. If the, the Trumas Adeshan and the Marie Bruna are right, these, these German postkim are right, so that would seem to give strength to the idea that you could disconnect what was going on, and the wife could say, yeah, your husband, you can light, but I am now going to light on my own because I disconnected from you. That would seem to be what the halacha should be. But the Beis Yosef disagrees with the Trumas Adeshan. He says it's a bracha shenetzricha if a husband lights separately if he knows his wife is lighting. In fact, the marshal who was living in in, in Europe, uh, who was a you know the great Shlomo uh, Luria, he says that clearly, husband and wife together one is good enough. He says, but if you are lighting, if you if there's a chance that your wife is lighting, he says, and you decide, I don't want to be connected with my wife's lighting, love kol kamine, you can't disconnect. So we have now a machlokas. We have the Germans who say you could disconnect. And that indicates that despite the strength of the bond of husband and wife, it doesn't stop these two being separate on Hanukkah. And they can decide, hey, I'm not connected to you. I'm, I have kavana not to be connected to your brocha. Whereas the Beis Yosef says that can't happen. The Marshal also writes that if people are lighting for you, you shouldn't be lighting. He says, is, uh, where did people become better than Reb Zayra? You know who thinks they're better than Reb Zayra? The Germans. <laughs> which means the Germans are always that way. They always take the, the, this, this, this stuff which isn't that important and they don't realize the main thing, which is, if you know that they're lighting for you, you can't disconnect. And you cannot disconnect from your wife. That is the Marshal's opinion. And he says, I, you know, those Germans, they come up with these, these dinim. Halavai shalo yakilo b'mitzvahs Why are they makele in other things? Here they came up with this thing. Oh, these people should be lighting where they are. Now, by the way, one of the reasons why this was coming up so often was because they were traveling. The men were on the road. And they were traveling to various uh, outposts for business and things like that. So it became very, very common. And, and, and there was a refusal to accept this idea. But as you can see, there was a pushback from the Beis Yosef, from the Marshal. They were aware of the earlier sources, but they said, it's not in the Gemara, we reject it. 
So I am now putting on the table the following theory. The, that what's behind this is not a social argument. The question is, what is the nature of the mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah? According to the Germans, it's a chiyuv on every person. And when a husband lights, he's being motzi, his wife, who has the chiyuv. The other way to look at it is, it's that it's a chiyuv on the bias. And there's no shulichus. Let me say another difference. I don't need to have kavana to be motzi, my wife, when I light Ner Hanuk, according to the Marshal and the Beis Yosef. According to the Marshal and the Beis Yosef, I'm the representative of the house. I live for the house. In fact, I'll say even better. Let's say you come home late and you discover your kid lit, your son lit, and that you don't have to do anything. Why? There's The light occurred in the house. It isn't a dictatorship. I come home tonight, and it turns out my daughter already lit. I can say, you know what, I don't need the light. Why? Because it was taken care of. If I do light, I'm only being Makayim Mahadran Mahadran. I'm only doing Hidur. My son didn't have to have me in mind for me to be Yotze. My wife doesn't have to have me in mind when I'm on a trip. Where do you have to have people in mind? Like Kriyasa Megillah, where you're being Motzi someone in a mitzvah. Here, I'm not being Motzi you. I took the cudgel. I decided to run with the gauntlet and represent this household. If that's the way you do it, then the household was Yotze. And when I light, if let's say the husband is lighting, he doesn't have to have his family in mind. And they don't need to necessarily think, oh, I'm, I'm like on Kiddush, right? You say Savri when you make Kiddush. Everybody is supposed to be thinking, oh, we're going to fulfill the mitzvah now. Think, concentrate. I always tell people I'm making Kiddush. It bothers me. It's a pet peeve of mine. that when I'm making Kiddush, I don't, I don't do a big chazonish thing, but people around of my house are sitting there alone staring around. No, no, you should be concentrating on what I'm saying. I'm saying it for you. So that's Kiddush. Kiddush is a chiv on everyone, and the husband is motzi them, or whoever they decide. Near Hanukkah, you're not being motzi them. You don't have to have kavana for them. They are essentially part of this house. And since they're essentially part of this house, so now they'd be able to, uh, uh, I, I, I do it, and if they're yotze. It's great if they're here, but even if they're not here, the house has had its candle, and that's good enough. Now, um, so I think this is a funda- this machlokas is fundamental because where does it happen afkamina? Where does it make a difference? First of all, in terms of someone who's on the road, does he have a right to make himself chayiv? No. What's your chayiv? Your chayiv is the house. That, that already was done. If you'd been in the house, it's possible you could have been given a chance to extend the sense of celebration by lighting separately. But 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 but, but the chiv was the, the chiv was already was on the house and that was fulfilled. The other way this makes a difference is in terms of a husband and wife. 
a husband and wife are so bound because of this far of Ishto Kegufai that she would not be able to light with a brocha. Why can't she light with a brocha? Because she never had an individual chiyuv. Now, I know it sounds very cruel, especially since the, the Mishnah Bura quotes a very uh, off-obscure sefer, uh, and he gave it prominence, the Ayu Shmuel that was written in the 1820s, which says that, well, the unmarried girls can light in the house. That's not a problem. Despite the fact that he says maybe women perceive of their mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah in a lesser way than men do, but it would seem that based on what we're saying, that there might be a difference between your teenage daughters and your wife. Your teenage daughters, or as Mikey was talking about, a maid or someone else who lives in the house, she could light and that she could make a brocha. But according to this approach, a wife would be more bound and not able to. It would be a brocha levatola for her to make it. Even if I guess they'd want to. Even if they'd want to disconnect, you can't. I can only disconnect if I have an individual chiyuv. If it's not an individual chiyuv, it's a chiyuv on the bias, I can't disconnect from that. So why can't she be a display person? Well, she can't be a display person because that's the svar of Ishto Kigufo. I already did it. She's going to do it? That doesn't mean anything. The other children in the house are dependent on me, but they're not part of me. So that would be this question. Now, let me end today with a little bit of difficulty, and uh, I'll try to be positive. What about a couple that is already angry with each other? I said the case of the Mario, they probably got along famously. <laughs> I'm sure he loved being having his own little yeshiva in the house down the road. You know, his wife was taking care of the kids and, you know, making her money there, and he could get involved in Shaduchim. It's, a, it's an incredible little tableau. But what about a couple that's angry with each other? And they really are on their verge of divorce. What happens in that case? Would they be able to, would it be Ishto Kegufo in that case? If a husband already decides, yeah, I'm just going to give that divorce next week. He hasn't told his wife yet. (laughs) Right? Let's say he does tell her. And she's waiting for it. And they're still living together. Gemara says once you decide to, the, the Bryce says once you decide to divorce your wife, it's also really to live together. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to um, have relations with the woman that you're planning on divorcing. So really, even though they're technically married, in terms of many, many other DNM, in terms of her earnings abilities and other things like that, they're still totally married. She's still Nation Ish. But perhaps in this halacha, it's not Ish Tokigufo anymore. It isn't about, in other words, the name of being married. It's about what that that fusion does. It creates one body. Each one fulfills the other. In the Mariel's case, they happen to fulfill each other living separately. <laughs> but it was still one that they saw themselves as one cohesive unit. If you're no longer a cohesive unit, then what's the din? You're living in the same house. Listen, you make the best of it. Look, you'd wish things were better. You wish things were beautiful and romantic. You wish you were in a rom-com and it was a montage scene and everything, everybody was frolicking. 
That's not happening. In terms of Ner Hanukkah, what should happen? Maybe she should, she definitely should light a separate menorah. Now, it could be, you could just say, I'm representing this family. We've got this house. It's dysfunctional. We've got fighting going on, but I'm lighting for everybody. Okay. He represents the family. Fine. Let him represent the family. But if, if you've decided you want each person to display that, then Ishto Kagufo might not apply anymore. And it probably doesn't. Many times you have couples that are actually, they've come to terms. They're living in separate bedrooms. They're just waiting for the divorce to come through. And they have to live in the same house. So in that situation, Ishto Kagufo wouldn't apply. A more positive note, let's say your wife is in a different country. Let's say your wife's in Israel and you're in America. Rishlam Azaman Orbach speaks about this case. So in this case, really depending on how strong the bond is, if you say that it's a shlichus, shlichus, I'm not, <laughs> it's daytime where I am now. You're lighting for me, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm in America. It's much too early to light. You can't light so early. So if you say it's a din and shlichus, then once the husband is in a place where had he been able, had he been at the house, he couldn't do it, how could the shliach do it? Right? The shliach can't be bigger than you. You, if, right? You're in America. You can't light now. It's much too early. But if you say, it's not a din in shlichus. It's a din in the bias. It's a din of a chiv of this unit. And you don't have to have kavana. Okay, look, I'm in Israel. I'm in America. My family is still there. I haven't moved to America. I'm just here to make some money. I'm just here for medical reasons, whatever it is. But my place is still there. They did it for me. That would be another difference. So it would really be dependent on this machlokas. If you hold like the Germans, you wouldn't be able to light in America. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to have your wife light for you in Israel. If you hold like the Beis Yosef and the Marshal, that it isn't the Shlichus. It has to do with Ishto Kigufo. And you can't disconnect. So it works even across different time zones. That would be another difference about this question. And we'll end today on a more positive note. This Rambam. You know, I, I, I plan on giving a shear one day about the Rambam wrote in the Sefer Mishnah Torah called Yada Chazoka. He has 14 sections. At the end of each section, he gives a little bit of his personality and a little bit of his hashkafa. Normally, he's got a halachic hat on totally. It's not about Musr. It's not about certain idealism. It's about the law. If you take a look consistently at the end of each section of the 14, he does a little bit more. He's got a literary sensibility about ending the book with a note that's uplifting. So since we started talking about some negative stuff here, here's the end of Sefer's Manim of the Rambam. 
which happens to be the laws of Hanukkah. So here are the last halachos. Mitzvah Ner Hanukkah, Mitzvah Chavivi Yad Ma'od. Again, this is the Rambam's own formulation. You've got to be really into it. You've got to be really careful about it. Because when you light Ner Hanukkah, in a way, you are generating more praise to God about what that menorah stands for. And even though the man has nothing, he needs to go beg. How is he going to get oil? He borrows it. He sells whatever clothes he has, and he gets oil to light. That's how important Nerachanika is. Because it's crucial to be a living battery to represent this house has to be that represents you. And again, that's why wherever you are, that house is represented and it needs to be represented as a house that's that's indicating that this is a house that, that recognizes God. He says, Let's say the guy has mamish no money. And it's a question of wine for Kiddush. He, he spends that money on oil for Hanukkah. It's true, they're both rabbinic, but near Hanukkah is greater than wine for Kiddush. The last halacha. This is the last halacha of Sefer Zmanim. But let's say the light in the house, which most assume means the Shabbos candles, and then he talks about near base of a kiddush, which has nothing to do with Hanukkah. That's a question of should I buy wine or should I have Hanukkah? Or should I have Shabbos lights? Near beso kodesh, mishum shalom beso. Shalom is the most important thing here. The Rambam is ending Sefer Zmanim with an appeal to shalom. Shalom beso, shalom beso is crucial. Sharei Hashem nimchak l'asher shalom ben ish ishto. We know that when you have a, a sota and you can't get a more dysfunctional, difficult situation where the husband thinks the wife is being unfaithful and yet they're still semi-living together, what do we do in order to bring them together? She's going to drink the mesota and we're going to, um, we're going to uh, dissipate the names of God into the water. Because this will, although they're going to go through some difficult times, they will, this could maybe right the ship. And God's name is secondary to the idea of Sholom. The Sholom that's going to bond, hopefully, these people. I mean, they've been through a rough patch. But maybe they'll begin to be able to talk to each other. They'll begin to be able to understand each other. They'll begin to understand why uh, one of them was getting involved in a way with, with men in some way. And at least underneath the generating the suspicion. Maybe it's because she needed someone to talk to. Maybe there was nothing really going on physically, but there definitely was still untoward behavior. It's because she wasn't getting the necessary listening at home. God says, you know what? I'm going to try to make this thing right. I'm going to prove to the man that the woman is not, has not gone all the way, that she hasn't stabbed him in the back and the relationship could be saved. And when, the, when the husband and the wife see that God's name is less important than that, 
That itself is a message. And that's what the Rambam says, Sholem is so important that the reason we have Torah is that the world should be able to get along. The world should be able to interact with each other. That the units should be um, corrected. That's what it says about Torah. Why does the Rambam end Sefer Zmanim and Hilchas Chanukah specifically with this? Right? This doesn't seem to have anything to do. Again, first of all, this, this is Allah of Hilchas Shabbos. So I think part of what the Rambam is saying is, is that that as, as much as the Zmanim are so crucial and what we do with them, the rituals are that important, we need to realize the rituals and the events are secondary to the essential relationship that exists, that we're trying to foster, and that we know realistically sometimes has problems. But this is a beautiful end to Ner Hanukkah, to the Hilchas Hanukkah, because it emphasizes the bond that occurs. Now again, does the Rambam feel a wife can light separately from her husband? Again, some say yes. Whether that can occur or not, then maybe it's a beautiful thing when it happens. And I would encourage couples, if they're in this situation, if it's better for the marriage and, and, and they feel a sense of unity, it might not be such a bad thing for the wife to have her own. Again, it's a machlokas. According to Mishnabura, it, it probably shouldn't be done. But depending on the situation. But really, the essence, of course, is having Sholem. And Sholem starts at home. And really, I guess the last message is, is that why this is such a good ending for Hilchaz Hanukkah. Hilchaz Hanukkah starts in the Rambam's discussion with a war that occurs. War and persecution from the Syrian Greeks. Terrible persecution. Destruction. A, a, a civilization under attack and with a lot of strife, as we know, that occurred. And what the Rambam is appealing here for, not only in Zmanim, but specifically in, in, in Hilchas Hanukkah, is getting back to the Shalom that occurs between that essential choice that we've made. Again, those that, that we've made that choice of spouse, that's where we prove Shalom can exist within us. And once it exists within us, despite the fact that Hanukkah has a very bloody history to it, it has a history of blood and killing, as a history of people who had to die and give up their lives, the purpose of that all was Shalom. And if that, if that can't be exemplified by what's going on between that unit of husband and wife, then we're missing the point. It's not just about having special times. The special times are a reflection of our, our, our of what we we can do as mature human beings together. So I think the Rambam, I think, has given us quite that end of the. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.